Welcome into Locked On Blackhawks for Thursday, January 2nd, 2020. I'm going to have to get used to saying 2020. I've been saying 2019 for 64 episodes now. My name's Jay Zawoski. Locked On Blackhawks is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And like I said, I hope everybody had a safe and happy New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. The plan was for me to put out an episode on New Year's Day, watched the game, got up early, watched the game, came downstairs, had some uh, internet issues, some computer issues, and by the time I figured I can get it resolved, it would have been pretty useless to post, considering there'd be a new podcast going up just a few hours later on Thursday. So we're going to react to Tuesday's game against the Calgary Flames, and we're going to preview tonight's game against the Vancouver Canucks. All of a sudden, the Hawks have won three games in a row, and uh, they're making some noise and climbing up the standing. So before we get into everything, I want to tell you how to get in touch with the podcast. LockedOnBlackHawks at gmail.com is the email address. Twitter is at LO underscore Blackhawks. You can leave a voicemail at 708-653-0572. On Twitter, you can follow my personal account at jayzawoski670 or the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast account. That's my other Hawks podcast. If you don't know about it, you should check it out. At Madhouse Pod, our episode from this week, we did our all-decade team. So just because the Hawks have played a game since then doesn't mean the episode doesn't stand up. It's in the second segment of the show. So check out our all-decade Blackhawks teams. Me and James Naveau, uh released our own, and I am winning the poll of who had the better team, <laughs> naturally. But, uh, you know. It was a lot of fun to do, a lot more a lot more difficult than I thought it would be. So go check out that Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast and check out our all-decade teams. All right, so the Hawks win 5-3 over the Calgary Flames on Tuesday in Calgary, and it was an impressive win for the Hawks. They got out to a 4-0 lead. Calgary scored late in the second period on a really nice goal with six seconds left in the period from Sam Bennett, redirects the puck. Uh, from Derek Ryan, who centered it from behind the net. And I don't know, it, it seemed like it was in the air. I couldn't get a good look based on the angles of replay they showed. But Bennett gets the goal. Then Duncan Keith has a bad turnover. Michael Ferlique scores on that. Then with the empty net, Sean Minahan scores. And all of a sudden, things are not looking great for the Hawks. But they're able to hang on and get the win. And I don't want to dwell too much on how things fell apart at the end. Like I said, that Bennett goal... Uh, to at the end of the second was I don't want to say fluky, but it was a, a goal you don't really blame anybody for. It was a really nice play by him. Um, yeah, the Duncan Keith turnover on the power play is something that doesn't happen very often. It's going to happen from time to time, but especially with Duncan Keith, he's going to make a hell of a lot more good plays and bad plays. And look, the Calgary game was definitely an example of that. He was terrific in that game for the most part, but just carelessly turned the puck over behind the net. I think he took his eye, eye off it for a second. It rolled to Michael Ferlik, former Blackhawk, and he put it uh, behind Robin Leonard. Then Monahan scores, and it's it's 4-3, and Calgary's getting her chances. And Robin Leonard, as he had done the entire game, stood tall, kept the Hawks in it. Then Patrick King gets the puck, flips it into the empty net for his 22nd, point, 22nd goal of the season and fourth point of the game. Patrick Kane had a three-point first period uh, really, a solid performance from the Blackhawks, and I don't want to excuse them for the game getting away from them. You can't, but I think there's, first of all, we've talked about score effects a lot over the years. That's, you know, when you look at the advanced statistics, 
at the end of a game and you say, wow, this team that was losing really had a great third period. Well, yeah, they were throwing everything they had at the net, trying to get results, trying to get back in the game. And it wasn't just that. The Hawks, I think, it felt like anyway, once they got up in the game 4-0 four to, four and then 4-1, to one, and it was 4-1 for a decent amount of the third period. Uh, it took Frolik, you know, four and a half minutes to score. They still, even when it became 4-2, it felt like they were kind of coasting, which is a bad habit. You don't want them to do that. But it felt so in hand for so long. It was 3-0 after one. It was 4-1 after two. And it was just felt like sort of a matter of time until the Hawks won the game. And I think that's what happened. They got a little bit careless. And uh, in the third period, we're outshot 18-9. to But again, I'm not going to freak out about this. As I was watching the game, I was wondering about the pluses and minuses. And I really, you know, aside from that Duncan Keith turnover, couldn't find a ton of minuses. I think the Hawks played a solid game. They really did. I think it was a solid effort for the most part. I liked the lineup. Michael Nylander was... Michael Nylander. Holy cow. Alex Nylander was scratched. Dylan Secura was in. Oli Mata was back in. Slater Cuckoo was out. Mata actually scored his second goal of the season. He opened the scoring in the first period, uh, just 4-14 into the game. Solid lineup. I liked the way the team looked Tuesday night against the Flames. I don't know if I want to say that's the lineup going forward, but it was pretty impressive. I think John Quinville had a solid game. He had three shots on goal, almost 13 minutes of ice time. Dylan Secura had two assists, was a plus one. He had four shots on goal. And towards the end of the game, Patrick Kane was working his ass off to get Secura the puck, trying to get him that first NHL goal, and it just would not go. It's going to come. Secura's playing well. And again, he had four shots on goal Tuesday night. And it, it feels like a matter of time, but it's been, what, 42 games now since he's made his NHL debut and hasn't been able to put the puck in the back of a net. It's almost remarkable considering the skill set, considering some of the chances he's gotten. And look, a lot of the chances he's gotten, he's generated himself with his high-end speed and his hands and all those things and all the tools he has. He's been pretty good. And I think it says something for when you see a veteran player like Patrick Kane trying to help a young player get that first goal. You know, goals come so naturally for Kane. It's, it, I wonder if he can even comprehend that. Like, wow, you haven't scored a goal in 40-something games? What's that like? But to see Patrick Kane, you know, go out of his way to try to get the puck to secure Now, look, if the game was 1-1 or 2-2 or whatever, he wouldn't be doing that. But the Hawks had a, a significant lead at that point, and I sort of respect that. So... Solid performance. Really want to isolate here on Robin Leonard, who was tremendous. If you didn't watch the game, which is understandable, it was New Year's Eve, go find, well, there were probably a half dozen incredible saves that Robin Leonard made, but one, there was a two-on-one, puck goes to Johnny Gaudreau, Leonard looks like he's down and out, no shot of making the save, lays out and just lays the paddle flat on the ice, stops the shot. Unbelievable, incredible save from Robin Leonard. And his fantastic play continues. And one other other thing, and this is sort of, I want you guys to chime in on this, whether you tweet me about it, whether you email me about it. Steve Conroy, during the game, started talking about the potential of Corey Crawford getting traded. And typically, look, if it was Eddie Olchek saying it or it was Pat Foley saying it, 
I would definitely think there's some smoke there. Steve Conroy, I don't know if he's quite as plugged in as those other two guys are, especially Olchek. But you heard on the team broadcast that Corey Crawford could get traded. So keep an eye on that. Something to, you know, something to keep an eye on, something to keep watch for. I'm not saying anything's imminent or is going to happen anytime soon or whatever, but for Steve Conroy to mention it in-game, that certainly got my attention. As we do after every game, time to go over the pluses and minuses of the game. Hawks win 5-3 in Calgary. This is Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, of course. Your team every day, and there's two clear pluses number one Patrick Kane two goals two assists for four points he was a plus two he had six shots on goal two shot attempts of his were blocked and another one missed the net also won 50 percent of his faceoffs. he played 316 of power play time he was on the ice to defend when the Flames had an empty net really solid game for Patrick Kane including three points in the first period giving the Hawks a nice cushion on the road. And uh, it allowed them to coast a little bit, which maybe wasn't the greatest thing, but they did get the win, and that's what matters. The guys came through when it mattered. Going to give another plus to Robin Leonard, who stood on his head again, as he sort of always does, stopping 41 of 44 shots on goal from the Calgary Flames. I mentioned the one he made on Johnny Gaudreau, make sure you find that save. Make sure you go check out a, a highlight of that save. It was absolutely incredible. But there were, like I said, probably half a dozen saves he had no business making. Another plus to me is going to go to Adam Boquist, who in 1844 of ice time uh, is starting to show, and we talked about this a little bit on Talkback Tuesday, he's starting to find his rhythm defensively. He's starting to find his place, and as that comes, you're seeing the offensive part of his game get a little more confident. I really like the way he controls the puck as the point man on that first power play unit. He mans the point by himself. When Duncan Keith is out there, it's a different setup. There's a two-point man setup with him. With Boquist, it's just Boquist out there in a point, and he's going side to side, and I think that really suits his game well. And as we talk about the growth of... Boquist. Compare it to Kirby Doc, right? Doc has a few game lead on Boquist career-wise, and I think over the last little while, we've seen Kirby Doc's game take a higher a higher level. I'm not going to give him a plus. He only had one shot attempt the entire game. However, carrying the puck into the zone made a great pass to Alex Debrinkit that was saved by Riddick. Doc's starting to show. You're starting to see on a game-to-game basis how high of a level of skill he has. He's gaining confidence, and it's showing in his game, and I think we're starting to get to that point, too, with Adam Boquist. The concern for him all along was going to be his defensive play. Now that he's started to maybe find his level there, sees what he has to do, see what plays he can and cannot make, now that he's starting to feel more comfortable that way a little bit, maybe the offense will pick up a little bit as well. So far, so good for the Hawks' young players. Other plus, Oli Mata bouncing back with a two-point performance, a plus two, 18.36 of ice time after the healthy scratch the other night. Good to see him play well. Connor Murphy uh, finished minus one, but he had an assist, four block shots, made a number of nice plays, including a play to clear the zone where he knew 
Matthew Kachuk was going to level him, and he was right. Matthew Kachuk leveled him, and uh, he still made the play and looked really good in the game. Dylan Strom gets a plus two. That goal he scored, what a shot by Dylan Strom. He won 64% of his faceoffs as well, so a strong game from him. Minuses? I don't really have any specific to a player. I guess I'll say Duncan Keith for the bad turnover, but otherwise he played really, really well. I think just as a whole, the letdown in the third period is the Hawks sort of assumed victory, which is natural, especially with a team as young as the Blackhawks, as inexperienced as the Blackhawks are. Yes, they've got that experienced core, but young teams might take the, the foot off the gas a little bit. It's a young coach, too. Let's not forget that Jeremy Cowden, well, it's still his job, and he's learning on it. So maybe you know Tuesday night's game will be a learning experience for him that he can't stop putting pressure on the players and can't stop coaching and can't stop doing the little things he needs to do when a game is in question because it did definitely get away from them, and it felt like a matter of time until Calgary was going to tie that game at four, but then Patrick Kane, as he seems to do all the time, rescues the Blackhawks and gives them the 5-3 lead as time expired. So good win for the Hawks, three in a row. It's a good win over a division. Uh, I'm sorry, a conference opponent who they were chasing in the standings. And let's update the wild card standings now. The Blackhawks, with the win, improved to 18-17-6. They have uh, 42 points. Edmonton has the second wild card spot with 46 points. The Hawks need to leapfrog Nashville, who has played two fewer games than them. Minnesota, both the Hawks and Minnesota have played 41 games. Calgary, who the Hawks just beat, that's why that win is so big. And then, of course, the Oilers. So there's three teams between the Hawks and Oilers that the Hawks need to leapfrog. But if they win, if they beat Vancouver, that's two more points, obviously, and they can move up. And they can t- and, and Vancouver's one of those teams that could be in a wild card position soon, too. They have 46 points. They're third in the Pacific Division. So these games become huge. Big opportunity for the Blackhawks tonight in Vancouver. Coming up next, we will take a look at the Vancouver Canucks when we go behind enemy lines. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy New Year. Thanks for tuning in on this Thursday morning. Hope you're having a peaceful ride into work or wherever you're listening. I very much do appreciate it. Jay Zawoski with you here. And as we do every game night, we will go behind enemy lines and take a look at the formerly hated Vancouver Canucks. Right now, the Vancouver Canucks stand at third in the Pacific Division with a 21-15-4 record. They have a plus 13 goal differential in their last 10 they are 6-4-0 overall this season at home. They are 12-5-3. Vancouver has won five games in a row. The Blackhawks, 18-17-6 with a minus 14 goal differential, 42 points. They are 9-8-3 on the road. They have won their last three and are 6-4-0 in their last 10 games. Let's take a look at some of the advanced statistics Over the last 10 games, Vancouver is 28th in the NHL with a 45.25 Corsi 4 rating. The Blackhawks are 25th with a 46.89. So over the last 10 games, the Hawks have been 
slightly better with the shot attempts. They've allowed a few more shots attempts against, but a better percentage for the Hawks. So they're starting to climb a little bit. They've been playing better, and it's somewhat unexpected with all these injuries. Now let's take a look at the high danger chances. The Canucks are 29th in the National Hockey League over their last 10 games. Oddly enough, they've won five in a row, and they're 29th in high danger chances four with a 42.53%. 74 high danger chances for 100 against the Blackhawks are dead last they have won three in a row and six of their last 10 and they're dead last in high danger chances Hawks are 35.76 percent 59 high danger chances for 106 against so two of the teams that are hotter in the National Hockey League are the ones who are struggling and generating high danger scoring chances again I say it all the time. Fancy stats are just a tool. They are not the be-all, end-all. They can give you a little bit of a picture of how things are going, but I think most people who have watched the Hawks lately are pretty satisfied with the level of hockey they've provided, and I'm sure Canucks fans are happy as well with their five wins in a row. One thing that has not been mentioned very often, by the way, with the Blackhawks is how good their penalty kill has been. I think they've only given up one power play goal against since like December 12th so their PK is cooking that's great I mean that's the sort like when we talk about a team not being very good right and we know that the Hawks probably can fall under that category right if we're going to be realistic about things the Hawks are not a great team and if they can get their power play or their penalty kill, or God forbid both, up to a high level, then we can start talking about some things, right? I mean, that that's that, that changes the narrative. If you have a team that's got good special teams, or at least one really good special team, then you can you can overcome some talent gaps. That's for sure. So I don't want to under underestimate the value of the Hawks' penalty kill being better and their power play being a little bit better lately as well. Those things matter, and they could be the difference between winning and losing a close game. If you kill all the penalties and score a power play goal, you're in good shape. That's what the Hawks did against Calgary. They Yes, they gave up a shorty, but they scored a power play goal, and they killed all the Calgary penalties. All right, let's go back take a look at the Canucks' scoring leaders Elias Pettersson leads them in points in 40 games. He has 18 goals and 23 assists for 41 points. Brock Besser, 38 points. That's 13 goals and 25 assists. JT Miller with 36 points in 40 games. That's 14 goals, 22 assists. Bo Horvat, 30 points in 40 games. Quinn Hughes, 28 points in 39 games. In goal, Jacob Markstrom gets the bulk of the starts. He has 27 starts. He's 13-11-0-3 with a 2.63 goals against average and a .919 save percentage. Thatcher Demko, one of the coolest names in hockey, is 8-4-0-1 with a 2.92 goals against and a .907 save percentage. So two decent goalies. No one really elite, but two good goalies for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, so it's going to be a another challenge and another really good opportunity for the Blackhawks. And look at this. They've got Vancouver tonight. They've got Friday and Saturday off. Sunday, they're home. 
against the Red Wings. And it's a fun exercise we do on this podcast, right? We check in on the Red Wings, see how they've been doing this season. We're going to do it a lot on tomorrow's podcast, but let's just take a brief little detour here and see how the mighty Red Wings are doing. Oh, dear God. <laughs> they are 10, 28, and 3 for 23 points in 41 games. They're a minus 68 in goal differential. Minus 68. We talk about the Hawks having a bad defense. The Hawks are a minus 14. The worst team in the Western Conference in goal differential is San Jose at minus 30. The next closest team in the NHL to Detroit's minus 68 is New Jersey at minus 36. You want to talk about an opportunity for two points? Yep, the Red Wings come to town Sunday night. So the Hawks, if they can beat Vancouver tonight, beat Detroit Sunday night, that's five in a row. Then the Hawks have three home games in a row next week. Tuesday against Calgary, Thursday against Nashville, Saturday against Anaheim. Then they face Ottawa and Montreal in back-to-back games on the road the following week. So you could be realistically looking at the Hawks taking, what, five, six, seven of their of ten? If we count this three-game winning streak, they can make some noise. They definitely can. And look, I still don't want them to go out and try to add to this team. I don't want them giving up draft picks or giving up prospects unless it's a prospect they give up on and bring another one back. If it's a prospect swap, fine. Or And I still think if they can move a big deal out, they do. I don't want them giving up assets to improve this team for this year. But I've said all along, if they can work their way into a playoff spot, I'm, I'm all for it. The reason I wanted Jeremy Cowton fired in the middle of November, or the beginning of November really, was because I didn't think he was getting the most out of this team, and I thought the team was better than it was playing. And we've seen evidence that the Blackhawks might be better than the record indicates. But then every as soon as we start to feel that way, what happens? There's an embarrassing loss at the hands of a bad team. Do I think the Hawks are going to be ready to play Vancouver tonight? Yes. Do I fear that game Sunday as one of those games where the Hawks think they're going to roll out the puck and go get that victory just because they're the Blackhawks and their opponents are the Red Wings or the Devils or the Sharks or all the other teams they assumed victory against? Hopefully, that 7-1 loss to New Jersey was the lesson they needed so they come out Sunday and kick the ass of the Red Wings, as we'd all like to see. Who gets tired of that? No one, really. But to come out flat against Detroit on Sunday would be a huge mistake, and it would be repeating history, and that's something you definitely don't want. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Blackhawks. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for checking it out. If this is your first time, hit that subscribe button. If you've not already hit the subscribe button, I don't care if you've listened to every one, make sure you hit that button. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a positive review. All these things help the podcast grow and become more visible in the podcast world. And that means uh, good things for me and good things for you and good things for everybody. So I definitely appreciate the support so far. This was episode 65 of Lockdown Blackhawks. It is flying by. It's really unbelievable. 
So thanks for being there. My name is Jay Zawoski. This is Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.